Well, it is so good to see you today, and man, Jesus is alive. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that already the best news you can hear today? We could go ahead and go home uh, seeing the, the testimonies of what God is doing uh, in the lives of his people and just the greatest news ever that Jesus is alive. And so uh, I just want to celebrate that with you today. And I hope that everything we do today just increases that joy in your life. And uh, if you want to get out your, your worship guide today, we've got some message notes for you because it is Easter, but it is still Sunday at Real Life Church. So we have got message notes for you. And how many of you have have your Bibles. Let me see. How many, how many brought your Bibles on Easter Sunday? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if you want to go ahead and open those up to John chapter 9, we're going to be jumping into God's Word in just a moment. But while you are doing that, I want to uh, get your attention to one of the things in our worship guide, which, by the way, first of all, uh, we do have an Easter after party, and all of the uh, information is in your worship guide, so you can be part of that with us if you would like to. Uh, but uh, the, um, they made reference to this. This is something that we do once a year, and that is that between now and last year, you know, things may have changed. Your address may have changed. Number may have changed. It's an opportunity for us to just get the updated information on how uh, we can serve you best, especially at the bottom where it lets us know how we can be praying for you. And so at some point before the end of the service, we would love for you to fill that out. And then at the end of the service, there's going to be people with some buckets at the back to take those. And on the backhand side is a couple of things that help us know how to uh, just reach you with different kinds of content. And then at the very end, something we do every year is we take together what we call a spiritual survey. And so if you want to make sure you keep that handy, we're going to be going through that together uh, at the end of our service today. So as we get ready to jump into this, I want to tell you about one thing that's getting ready to happen. And for those of you who are here at 8 a.m., thank you so much for taking a missions trip to the 8 a.m. service. <laughs> I appreciate it. Y'all are my favorite. Don't tell everybody else, okay? But you guys being here is amazing, and I'm so thankful. And we wanted to take uh, Easter Sunday morning to also make one announcement for you, because this is when everybody shows up on the same day, all right? So uh, here it is, and that is for those of you who normally attend the 11 o'clock service, don't worry about it. Open your Bibles to John chapter 9. Nothing is changing for you. But if you normally attend the 930 service starting May 1st, we are going to have our service start at 915. And everyone who um, serves in Hope Cafe and in Kids Life say, Amen. Yes, because what happens a lot of times is right there uh, in between services, it gets a little bit packed, a little crowded, especially checking in, checking kids out. Uh, I had some folks tell me that they were having to park way out, you know, in no man's land. And so just 15 minutes helps us a whole lot with that. And I say that to those of you who attend 930, because some of us, and I will put myself in that category if I wasn't already here earlier, you don't attend the 930 service. You attend the 940 service, <laughs> the 945 service, right? I, I get that, all right? But if you start showing up at 945, you are going to be 30 minutes late, which means you're going to miss all of our wonderful uh, worship time together. So it's uh, May 1st, so it gives you a couple more weeks to sleep in and be at the 940 service. But then after that, we're going to be starting at 915, okay? All right, if you got your Bibles open with me to John chapter 9, uh, I, I don't know if you've ever done this. Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody and they, they say something that maybe they aren't supposed to say, like they spill the beans about something. Well, I was sitting in church on an Easter Sunday, like tw almost 20 years ago. It wasn't quite 20, but it was almost. And there was a movie that had come out called The Book of Eli. I don't know if you remember this, this one. It's 20 years ago, so I'm about to spoil it for you. It's 20 years, okay? It's fine. But it had just come out that particular weekend, and I was really excited about getting to see this movie. And I just, I didn't get a chance to see it on that Friday. I was going to go see it that next weekend. And the preacher got up, and he told the whole movie. 
And I remember being like so mad because the thing is, is that the movie is a pretty good movie. But then, spoiler alert, I know, 20 years, all right? At the end of it, you find out like Denzel Washington is in the movie and he's doing like the, uh, the, the, the ninja to everybody and he's trying to, you know, protect this book and it's awesome, it's awesome, it's awesome. But then you get to the end of it and you find out he's been blind the whole time. And when you find out that he's been blind the whole time, some of y'all are going, well, I'm not going to watch it now. It's 20 years. All right? You had 20 years to watch it, but it changed the whole movie. And so then I go and I watch it and I'm like, man, why did you spoil it? Well, in keeping with a wonderful tradition, I'm about to spoil this whole message for you. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and do it. If you've got your notes out, you want to take notes. I'm going to go ahead and give you the big idea that if you don't walk away with anything else from this Sunday morning, I want you to walk away with this one big idea. And that is this, when I see Jesus everything changes. When I see Jesus, everything changes. What you got to see just a minute ago is, is people who came up and had a chance to tell their testimony, tell their story of what God has done and is doing in their life. And that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to tell you the story, uh, some of the story of what God has done in my life. But if I could sum it up into one statement, it would be that when I see Jesus, everything changes changes in my life. And I want to use a story from the life of Jesus in John chapter 9 to kind of illustrate how God did this in my life. Now, to kind of catch you up with where this story begins, this is toward the end of Jesus' earthly ministry. It's in year three of his three-year ministry, and he just got through. If you've ever heard the story where Jesus forgives the woman caught in the act of adultery, and everybody's ready to kill her, and Jesus says, whoever's without sin, cast the first stone. It was this amazing moment. And then he looks at the crowd, and he says, I am the light of the world. And he starts just debating back and forth with the religious leaders saying that he came to save not just those who are well, but those who are sick. And it's this amazing moment. And then as he's leaving from that environment, something happens that is absolutely amazing. And I want to use it to tell how when I see Jesus, everything changes. And we don't have time to go through the full story. It's about 40 verses and it's a powerful story. But in order to kind of simplify it a little bit, we're going to hit the high spots. But you owe it to yourself later to go back and read this whole story because it's amazing. So, so John chapter 9 verse 1, it says that as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been born blind from birth. Now, we don't get his name in the story, but from history, we know that this guy's name was Cladonius. Okay, look at your neighbor and say Cladonius. That's a hard word, right? I'm not going to say that word anymore, so we're going to give him a nickname, okay? Instead of Cladonius, we're going to call him CC because I am a dad and he can CC by the end of the story. Yes, thank you. All my dads are like, that's my man right there. That's your Easter joke. You could take it with you, right? But I know, I know. So he CCC. And then they say rabbi, which is another word for teacher. Why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? Jesus said, no, it wasn't because of his sins or his parents' sins. This happened so that the power of God could be seen in him because I am the light of the world. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with saliva, and then spread the mud over the blind man's eyes, to which we can all say with complete honesty, that's gross. Okay, yes, of course it is. But then he told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam, which by the way, Siloam means sent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. But his neighbors and others who knew him asked, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Yes, I am the one, they asked. But then they asked, who healed you and what happened? 
He told them, the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed and now I can see. Well, where is he now? They asked and he had to say, I don't know. So then they took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees, those religious leaders, and the Pharisees asked the man all about it. So he told them the same story. This man put mud on my eyes. I went and washed it away and now I can see. But some of the Pharisees said, this man, Jesus, is not from God. But then others said, but how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So there was a deep division of opinion among them. So then they called in the guy's parents because obviously this guy was supposed to be born blind. So they're trying to see if there's some trickery going on. But then they said, okay, look, this is our son. And he, yes, was born blind, but we have no idea how he can see or who healed him. Ask him. In other words, leave me out of it, right? And so for the second time, they called the man in who had been born blind, we know, CC, and told him, God should get the glory for this because we know that Jesus is a sinner. I don't know whether he is a sinner, the man replied, but I know this. I was born blind or I was blind, but now I can see. And they said, you are born a total sinner and you're trying to teach us So then they threw him out of the synagogue. Isn't that like the most amazing slash tragic story? I mean, there was this event that happened in this guy's life, but instead of getting to celebrate it, he immediately has to defend it and he's left completely thrown out from everything else. I mean, we we also know from history that this guy, Cece, wasn't just born blind, but tradition says he was probably born without eyeballs. So it wasn't just that he had an astigmatism and needed corrective vision, but that hadn't been invented yet. It wasn't that because if those of you who wear glasses in here, you know that without your glasses, you, you can't see everything, but you can see some things. But this man was born without eyeballs. So from the very moment he was born, he was immediately just other than, left out, just wishing he could be part of it, but couldn't. But then an amazing event happened in his life and something is now different. But before he even gets a chance to figure out what's going on, he's immediately attacked and ridiculed and left wondering, was it worth it? Because the end result is instead of people celebrating with me, everybody seems to have turned their back on me. And can I tell you, that's my story, that I grew up in church. I grew up around the things of God. I grew up knowing what the Bible said, but I used to see Easter as just an event. It's just a thing that we did on one particular Sunday of the year. And I thought of Christianity as just one possible worldview out of a whole bunch of possible worldview. You do that if it works for you. If it doesn't work for you, you do something else. That's what I thought. And so I wasn't able to see what God really was because I didn't see God for who he was. I saw him for the things only that he did. And I want to encourage you just a little bit that maybe you're in that same situation like me because I saw these different things, but I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know what to do with Christianity. I didn't know what to do with all of my friends who were Christ followers. And to be honest with you, when I looked at Easter as an event, and when I looked at Christianity as just another worldview that was out there, I will be honest with you, what I, what I got from this is I just saw difficult instructions. You, you think about, you know, verse one through seven, Jesus is walking along and he sees this man. And the Bible said that he took spit. I mean, think about poor Cece, all right? He is minding his own business, begging, and all of a sudden he hears, Think about that, all right? I mean, and imagine this guy, he, he is begging. He lives off of other people's generosity or whatever it takes to get whatever he needs. And so he might've heard that sound before, 
for, for bad reasons. But this time, someone grabs a hold of him and starts putting something all over his face after hearing. <laughs> That's not good, all right? And so I just imagine he's probably not enjoying this situation, especially now when he can tell there is mud on him. And then Jesus has the audacity to then tell this poor blind victim of his circumstances to now go do something that's probably too hard for him to do. Imagine that. Jesus, this guy's a victim. He was born as a victim. He's probably been victimized by other people. And now you're asking someone that can't see to get up and go somewhere. That's too hard. That's mean. Why would you do that? We need to be helping this guy. We need to be, to be coddling this guy and, and trying to make his life as easy as possible. How dare you try to ask him to do something hard? Can I tell you that when I saw Easter as just an event and I saw Christianity as just a possible worldview among all the others, I looked at God's word and it offended me. I looked at this and I said, why in the world would God ask me to do some of this stuff? Have you seen what's in the Bible? Jesus, you want me to do some of this? You want me to stop doing some of this other stuff? You want me to forgive that? Do you, were you not there? Do you not see what they did to me? And to be honest with you, I looked at Jesus and I said, how dare you? How dare you ask me to take some of these steps? Have you not been here and saw what's been going on in my life? And I'll be honest with you, when I used to see Easter as just simply an event or a possible worldview, all I saw was difficult instructions. And I would go to church every Sunday. My dad was a pastor, and I'd hear him talk out of God's word, and I would come away going, sounds good. That's hard. I don't know if I can do that. If you only knew what I'd been through, you wouldn't say that kind of stuff about me. Well, the second thing that I thought was not only that when I saw Easter as just, a, just a, an event, just a thing that we did, not only did I see difficult instructions, but then I also saw difficult questions. Because what happens is, is this guy has this event happen in his life and it just was totally amazing and totally transforming. And it's, the way you read the story, it seems like that he went to the pool, he washed, now he can see. He doesn't even get to make it all the way back to Jesus. Because now all of a sudden people have grabbed him because I'm sure he's making a scene. Imagine you couldn't see all your life, didn't even have eyeballs. Now you can. CeCe's making a ruckus. <laughs> he said, everybody come CeCe, CeCe. All right, look at me. All right. But people grab him and they're like, man, what happened? Why did it happen? Who did it happen? Who, with, when, why, how? And he's going, I don't know. I just could see that's you. You're the dude that kicked me and I can see you now. I mean, he just, he didn't even get a chance to look at, and really see anything before he's immediately being hit by all these hard questions. And if you see, if you look in your nose, or you, you remember what we just read, he ends up with, I don't know. I don't know. Can I tell you that I spent a lot of my time looking through God's word and listening to well-meaning Christians. And I would just go, man, I don't know. There's a lot of hard questions I don't have the answers for. And I looked at, when I looked at Easter as just an event or as Christianity as just a worldview possibility or just a mindset that if it works for you, it works for you. I was left with so many heartbreaking questions that I just, I felt fear and doubt. What if it's not right? What if I can't trust the Lord? It reminds me of um, right after my wife and I uh, got married, uh, she was talking to me about how she wanted to go back to school to be a math teacher. And my first question was, 
why? <laughs> why would you do that? I mean, because all I remembered in math class was how they would tell me about somebody else's problems, okay? You know, they would have all these math problems. Like, I don't know. I, but, but then they would send you home with like a hundred math problems. And I was just like, this is just sending me home with a bunch of problems. That's how I always saw it. And now she wants to have as her profession giving people problems. So I was like, okay, all right, that, that doesn't work for me. But the problem with all of it is, is when I saw Christianity, it's just a, a worldview idea, a system of beliefs for me to follow. And Easter is just an event. It left me feeling like just a bunch of difficult instructions a bunch of difficult questions. And then what happened to this guy is I was left with what I thought was a bunch of difficult confrontations in my life. You notice that the Bible said that after you know, uh, Jesus, he encounters Jesus and, and he, he gets healed. And then these people grab him and start asking him all these questions. He doesn't have any answers. They take him to the principal's office, right? They take him to the religious leaders and they start trying to say, hey, you need to explain yourself. Well, he's like, all I know is what happened. Well, that becomes not good enough. And so they're telling him, hey, listen, I don't know who you think this Jesus guy is, but he's a sinner and he's wrong. And he's like, but I can see, I don't care. Don't focus on what you can see, focus on what I'm saying, all right? And they're, they're just confronting him and constantly, and because they can't get into to change his story, they go to his mom and dad. And we didn't have time to read it today, but actually the Bible says that the reason why mom and dad didn't stand up for this poor guy is because they had, it had already been said that if you lined yourself up with Jesus, you got thrown out of the local assembly called the synagogue. And the reason why that was a big deal is in the Jewish nation at the time, there was no social safety net like there is in the United States. There was nothing. There was just the local congregation. So that if you got sick or you couldn't take care of yourself, you called on your, your, your friends and they would come and they would help take care of you. They would sustain your business. You traded back and forth with those different ones because most of the time the Romans just came in and stole what they wanted anyway. And so the only way you could survive was to be very close-knit with the local congregation. And they were saying, if you line up with Jesus, we're going to, what we would say today, cancel you. You're not gonna have anything anymore. We're not gonna do anything for you anymore. You're gonna be completely and totally canceled. And so you kind of have a little bit of mercy on mom and dad for saying, hey, look, he's already a beggar. He can fend for himself. Y'all want to come buy something? You know, they're just trying their best not to get thrown out. And there's just this idea of just constantly confronting him because of something that had happened and he didn't know what to do with it. And can I tell you that when I just saw Easter as just an event or just a, a worldview, you know, Christianity is just a system of, of beliefs and all that, I just saw a whole bunch of confrontation. Because isn't it true nowadays that anybody and everybody can have an opinion except for Christians? I mean, it, it's amazing how, you know, you get applauded for, for strong opinions and for, you know, hashtag slay girl, slay and all that kind of stuff. But if a Christian says, I love Jesus, they go, hey, that's too much. You know, and, and I saw that even back in the day, and I am old enough to remember when I got saved, there wasn't social media yet. But even then, I was in an environment where people didn't care if I, if I said I was anything else, but if I said I was a true Christ follower, they would immediately go, well, we can't go be friends quite like that anymore because I just simply don't agree. And what I saw is I realized that if I was gonna do this thing, I was gonna go all the way. I was gonna do exactly what Jesus said. And I saw a whole bunch of confrontations, not only from the world on the outside, but from my enemies on the inside, my own addictions, my own ideas was gonna have to submit to the authority of Jesus. And it was a lot of confrontations. And so when I saw Easter as just an event, just a worldview, a possible system of belief, it left me with just hard, difficult instructions. It left me with questions I couldn't answer. It left me with confrontations I didn't know what to do with. And then ultimately I felt like that if I followed Jesus, I see myself being all alone. 
And that's exactly what happened to Sisi. The Bible said that after the, the religious leaders tried to argue with him and try to talk him down, all this kind of stuff. And he's like, look, man, I don't know. All I know is I was blind and I can see. That's all I know about the whole situation. And it's just, you, you see him as almost like in this desperation mode. He's like, look, this is all I know. Well, you're out. You know, maybe the, the place he wanted to be his entire life, finally be on the in crowd, finally be able to, to go into the temple, finally able to be part of what's going on and you're done. That's what I thought. And so I can't tell you how many times I would listen to my dad. And I, you know, I'm, I was a teenager at the time. I listened, uh, I, I love, I live with my dad. I love my dad. And he would sit around the, the lunch table uh, afterward and he would talk about the message. And I said, yeah, dad, that was a great message. Praise the Lord. You know, but it never got further than what I had to say because I was a hopeful agnostic. I wasn't sure if God was real or not, but I knew if he was, I didn't get it. And I wonder if that's where this, this guy is. A moment in his life destroyed everything else. But what's amazing is when I see Jesus, everything changes. And that's not the end of the story. Because the Bible said right after they threw him out of the synagogue, the Bible says, when Jesus heard what happened, he found the man. And he asked him, do you believe in the son of man? And the man answered, who is he, sir? Because I want to believe him. And this is so important, so I want to stop here for a second. He says, first of all, do you believe? Now, that word believe, the best translation is not just believe, but a belief that leads to trust. So it's, I, do you trust in the Son of Man. Now, if you've ever read the Bible and you've wondered what in the world does that mean, that is actually a title that comes from the Old Testament, the book of Daniel, where Daniel would prophesy and he would say, one day God is gonna enter into time and space, become a man and save all of us from our sins. He's gonna set us free. And so they, the, the Jewish people were longing for God to fulfill this prophecy. But over the 400 years since that prophecy, it went from being a man to being an idea and to be not just savior of the world, but just if you can just save us from the Roman empire. And so it quit becoming God become flesh to save the world. And instead it became something, someone, somewhere that can save all of us from the Romans. And so what Jesus says is he's saying, do you believe that the Messiah, the Hebrew word is Mashiach, the one that we've been waiting for, God made flesh. Do you believe, do you trust that that's still possible? And this guy says, who is he? And I'll believe in him, whatever you say. And Jesus says this, you have seen him and he is speaking to you. In other words, you've seen what I can do and here I am. I am the one you've been waiting for. I am what they've been prophesying for. And I'm not a theme. I'm not an idea. I'm not some worldview. I am God. And I'm standing right here. And when he heard that, Cece said, yes, Lord, I trust you. We can forget what that word Lord means. That means king, master, the one who owns it all, the only real sovereign. And he worshiped him. He said, not only do I trust you, not only do I believe that you are the fulfillment of all the prophecy, but you now have my life and I worship you. And Jesus said this, Jesus told him, he said, I entered into this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind and to show those who think they see that they are actually blind. In other words, I came to help. 
I came to help all those people who couldn't see to see me. And for all those who thought they could to realize that they really weren't, I came to help everybody, the haves and the have-nots, those who think they're awesome, those who know that they're not, everybody in between. I came to help everybody. I didn't come to set you free from Roman oppression. I came to set your soul free for eternity so that you could have life and have it more abundantly. And so I just got so excited one day when I realized that. And so this is what I say now is I don't come to celebrate a holiday. I came to celebrate a person and his name is Jesus. Because when I see Jesus, everything changes. And that's what happened in my life is one day I started to not just look at the circumstances and all the things, but I started to see Jesus. And when I started to see Jesus, I started to see my entire life differently. It's not that my life changed as far as my past. My past was my past. But now that I could see him through the lens of Jesus, I could now see that God was always moving and active in my life. And when I see Jesus, everything changes. Even in this story, when I see Jesus, I don't see a poor, broken man who is being beat up and defeated. I see an amazing transformation. So instead of what I was telling you before, instead of seeing difficult instructions, you know what I see? I see the joy in restoring my dignity. When I see Jesus, I see him restoring me and setting me free every day. The Bible said that when Jesus first found him, that he, he went and he, he, he made mud and he applied it to the guy's eyes. And then he told him that you get up and you go walk toward your freedom. And they were like, no, 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 Jesus, you, know, you can't do this. He's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. He's not a victim, guys. I know that all you've ever seen is someone who is broken down and defeated and someone you threw a few coins at when it suited you. This guy's stronger than you think you are. You leave him alone and let him go get his freedom. And so I don't see a man who is broken. I see a man that Jesus was saying, you're stronger than you think you are. Get up and walk towards your freedom. And one of the things I love about Jesus is when I see his word, I don't see a list of do's and don'ts. I see a freedom manual that helps me figure out places I was broken that I didn't even realize I was broken anymore. And he says, if you will trust me, I will help you find the peace and joy that you've spent your life looking for if you can trust me enough to take the next step. And when I see Jesus, he changes everything. And then it becomes the delight of my life to look through his word. And he says, if you can trust me, you can walk in freedom. Yes, sir. How can you walk in freedom? Because I trust in him and he slowly restores my dignity. And now I can say with full confidence, I am nobody's victim because Christ has set me free. Not only do I see the restoration of my dignity, but then the Bible said that after that, all of his, all these people started asking him because he's running around going, guys, I can see, I can see. And so they start asking him all of these questions. And before I found Jesus, I was like, oh man, all those difficult questions. Now I see the joy and the opportunity to grow. Before I found Jesus, I looked at all these questions and I thought, oh no, what if I find something that proves that God's not real or if I prove something that doesn't work? You know, just like they're asking this guy all these questions. But now when I see through the light of Jesus, I don't see somebody who's running away from everybody. I see somebody who's stepping into it going, hey, I don't know. Let's go find Jesus and find out together. He's no longer afraid of what might happen. He looks forward to going to Jesus and asking all these questions. That's what happened in my life is once I experienced Jesus for myself, everything changes. And so now I don't run from hard questions. I look forward to hard questions because the more I search, the more I find and the more confidence I have. I had a situation back about 10 years after I gave my life to Christ where there was a whole bunch of questions I didn't have answers to. And all of my 
my friends were telling me that I was just crazy and I didn't know what I was talking about. And so what I did, instead of giving up, as I opened my Bible and I said, God, if you're true, show me all over again. Can I tell you, every one of my questions had answers. If I had enough patience to sit and look and not think that God was running and hiding from me, but he was ready to open his arms to me. And when I see Jesus, everything changes. And my questions become an adventure to discover him even more in my life. When I see Jesus, everything changes. I no longer see difficult instructions. I see him restoring my dignity. I no longer see hard questions. I see an opportunity to grow. The Bible said once again that after they weren't getting anywhere with him, they took him to the the religious leaders who then started confronting him about everything he was doing. And I felt so bad for this poor guy because all he has is his story. And and then they're like, well, we don't believe your story. Then they go to mom and dad. I'm like, listen, we don't even know his story. We can just tell you his background. And they don't believe that. And I was like, man, there's so much confrontation. But really what I found out is I see the joy and the place to share my story. I see the opportunity to share what God has done in my life. Because when I first looked at this, I saw a poor guy who was just trying to defend himself from this onslaught of these religious leaders. But when I see it through the eyes of Jesus, I see a man standing up with his shoulders back and his head up, no longer thinking of himself as a victim, knowing what has happened in his life. And he says this, he says, I don't know. All I know is I was blind, but now I can see. And right in the middle of all this controversy, he's like, I know that you got your problems, but I got no problem with Jesus. <laughs> because of him, I'll never be what I used to be. And what I realized in my life is that I can trust him. And that when I see him, everything changes. And God took me from a place of endless just questions And he filled me with the opportunity where I I get joy when I have a new question because now it's a new adventure that I can experience more of God. I saw this as as a list of do's and don'ts and God, how dare you ask me to do things? And now I see, oh, you're restoring my dignity one small step at a time. I went from thinking that I couldn't share my faith with other people because they didn't agree with me and, and they would confront me and, and I, just, I, just, I didn't want to offend anybody. Now I go, there's nothing offensive about my story because it is the story of a broken man who has been whole. And so it is the greatest thing that I can offer somebody is the story of how Jesus has set me free. And so I don't see it as confrontation. I see it as an opportunity to share what God is doing in my life. And then you realize that the Bible said when he wasn't going to share his story, as a matter of fact, he's standing up saying, this is me. This is what God has done in my life, that they threw him out of the synagogue. And I used to see that if I turned my life over to Jesus, my life would be filled with loneliness. Rather, I see the joy in the Savior who finds me. The Bible said that right after they threw him out, Jesus finds him. He says, hey man, do you believe that God can be made flesh? that he can save the world from his sin. If you'll just show me who he is, I'll, I'll serve him. It's me. Then you're my Lord and you're my king and I will worship you. And what's amazing about this story is then Jesus says, you're why I'm here. I'm here so the blind could see as those who think they see could find out they don't see well enough yet. And the Bible says, that he then moved on to the next place. But what we find out in, 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 in tradition and in, in church history is that C.C. didn't go back to that town. The C.C. joined the disciples. And that later, he became a missionary to what we now call France and spent the rest of his life no longer feeling like a victim, 
No longer waiting on a handout from somebody else, but saying, I now have something to give to the rest of the world. Come see Jesus who changed my life. The one that people talk about, he's not just a man. He is God. And when I see Jesus, everything changes. And can I tell you, that's exactly what my story was. I spent my entire life going to church, hearing people preach the gospel, and I thought it sounded great. (laughs) I thought it sounded wonderful, but I wasn't so sure it was for me. That sounds great. If you're into that, great. I don't know. And then one day I went to a church service, and I heard a preacher, his name's Steve Hill. He got up and he started to preach about the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God. And I was like, absolutely, I heard all that before. And then he went in and he started kind of really ratifying all of my issues that he was talking about that God's word says some things are good and some things are sin. And I was like, oh Lord, that goes back to my problem. And then, then he started talking about, you know, that, that God wants to, to, to answer those hard questions. Like, yeah, I got some hard questions. And then, and then he got confrontational and he said, today is your day of salvation. You need to do something about that. And I was like, oh Lord, I'm feeling uncomfortable. And then, and then he said something that I'll never forget as long as I live. He quoted a verse that I had already memorized and I'd probably won some Bible bowls by, by quoting before. And he said this verse, he said, for this is how God loved the world, that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And I was like, well, yeah, that's, that's the love of God. That's what Easter is all about. How, how God became man and Love the world. That's, that's great. That's Easter. That's, that's the event. That's the event that we celebrate. And then he said something that changed my life forever, and I want to give it to you. And that is, he said, do me a favor. He said, I want you to take out the word, uh, the phrase, the world, and instead, put your name in there. And now he didn't have a TV, so I had to do it in my head, so it took me a second. And then I thought about it, and I said, for this is how much God loved Brandon. This is how much God loves Chris. This is how much God loves Steve. This is how much God loves Derek. This is how much God loves you. That he gave his one and only son so that everyone, including me, who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And I never got it before. I knew of God's greatness but I never understood his goodness. I never got the fact that all of this is on a foundation of the love of God. The reason why Jesus did not just shout his love from heaven, hey guys, I I love you, good luck. It's because he loved us. Instead, the king of all the universe, the word made flesh, stepped outside of eternity, stepped into time and space, splitting time in half, because that's what happens when the king comes into his kingdom. And he put on flesh and he walked among his creation for 33 years. And then he said, let me show you how much I love you. And then he died for my sin because he knew I could never pay it. I was never gonna be strong enough. I was never gonna be able to do all I needed to do. I was never gonna be able to be perfect. And he said, I know, that's why I'm gonna die but I'm not just gonna stay dead, I'm gonna rise again because I'm not just concerned about your salvation, but I wanna grab you by the hand and I wanna walk with you toward freedom every single day after that. And then my favorite verse in the entire Bible, not only if I would trust Jesus, could I be saved, but then God did not go through all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help and to put the world right again. You know the reason why I love Easter? It's not because 
I get an opportunity to wear these nice clothes and this is all my wife's doing, not mine. (laughs) It's not just because we get to go hunt Easter eggs. It's because every breath is a reminder of the greatness of God. That Easter is not an event, it's a person. And his name is Jesus. And so then everything I do, when I put on my new clothes on Sunday morning, I remember that I've got new life because of Jesus. When I go and we we let all the kids hunt Easter eggs, I look at that and I go, man, that's just like when I go searching for Jesus. He's always there. If I look hard enough, I can find him in everything I do. And then when I get around my, my friends and my family, I look at all them and go, man, this is because of Jesus. And everything in life becomes about Jesus. And then because of Jesus, everything changes. And so if I were to have had a poster this morning, mine would have been, I was blind, I was alone, I was in darkness. But when I saw Jesus, everything changed. And I feel kind of like CC. I'm gonna spend the rest of my life celebrating what God has done in me. And I just wanna ask you the question, what do you see? When you think of Easter, <coughs> what do you see? Do you see instructions? You see questions? You see confrontations? Do you see the fear of being alone? If so, I wanna tell you, you're not alone. I was just like that. And I spent a lot, of, a lot of church services, a lot of conversations in the back of my mind going, that's nice for you, but I don't know. But when I saw Jesus, when I encountered the love of God and realizing that if he had to go all the way to the cross just for me, he would gladly do it because yes, he loves the world, but he loves every single person in it as well. And that includes me. And the Bible says in Romans 5, 8, that God demonstrated his great love for us in that while we were still sinners, he died for us. Jesus didn't die for you on your best day. He was thinking of you on your worst day. And on the worst possible moment of your life, he says, I want them. I choose them. I love them. Jesus, do you not see what they're up to? Yeah, I know. I don't, I don't like that, but I love them. Jesus, do you not see what they just said about you? Yeah, I wish they hadn't done that, but I still love them. Jesus, they are a mess. I work best in messy places. I choose them. Can I tell you? That's how God feels about you. What do you see? If you want to get out your connect card, I want us to take a moment and just take like a personal inventory of our heart to say, what do we see? Take a moment and just think about what are you, what were you saying today if you were to if you were to answer that question, what do I see in my life right now? What, what am I seeing? Do I see Jesus or do I see something else? The, the, the survey says this is number one is A is today I'm celebrating my relationship with Jesus Christ. And if that's you, if you know Jesus, you're in love with him. He is your Lord and your savior. He is the only wise sovereign in your life. Then in just a moment, I want you to mark that down and let today be an amazing celebration that it is because of Jesus that we experience our freedom. Maybe you're in here today and you're, you're, yours will be B, today. I am committing my life to Jesus. You know, pastor, I never saw it quite like that. If I'm honest, I, I have had those questions and those things, but I never thought about that Jesus did all of that for me. So you know what I see? I see a Lord and a Savior worth following. Now let's do it. Let's follow him. Maybe you're C, and that is, I'd like to think about it some more. Can I tell you, that's awesome. And thank you so much for being here. If that's you, I always dreamed that we could be a church where people who didn't know quite what they thought about Jesus could come risk-free, you know, no obligation required, and just see what the church looks like. 
That's why I think it's so important for the church to be the church. And so people who are coming in looking for Jesus can see him in all of us. And so if that's you, man, be honest and keep coming and checking it out. Or maybe you're deep. I never intend to follow Jesus. And if you're here, I'm so glad you're here too because he's never gonna stop working on you. He loves you enough, he's not gonna stop. And I wanna warn you about something. And that is almost every year we do this and we have at least one person who marks A or B and they write under it, last year I was a D. Because God never stops working on you. And in just a moment, the band is gonna lead us in one more worship song as we get ready to end our service. And I wanna give you maybe, maybe an idea of how you could spend this last part of this song. Maybe you're an A in here. And getting to church, as Chris was saying earlier, you're just glad to be here, man. <laughs> it seems like so much doesn't happen Monday through Saturday, but Sunday morning, something's gonna happen. You're just glad to be here. And maybe it took you until now just to remember that you were at church and not at work or something else, right? Well, if you're here to celebrate what Christ has done, I'll give you just a moment, this last song, and just celebrate God's goodness. Celebrate the fact that God owes us nothing, but yet he has given us everything. Maybe you're in here and you're C or D. I, wanna, I just wanna encourage you to pray a bold prayer during this worship time, and that is, God, if you're real, would you show yourself to me? I wanna see you the way Brandon said he sees you. That's a bold prayer, and I warn you, he will answer it. But if you will be bold enough to ask, he will be faithful enough to reveal. But maybe you're B. Today is my day. I wanna go all in. If that's you, in just a moment, we're gonna be standing, we're gonna be worshiping, and there is right above it, there is a prayer. And it says this, it says, Dear Jesus, thank you for paying the price for my sins and dying on the cross. Because you rose again, I can have life in you. Today I confess that I am a sinner and ask you to wash away all my sin. I give you my life. Heal me from the inside out. Thank you for loving me, amen. I wanna tell you, I'm not gonna lead you in this prayer because sometimes, we can get so busy trying to repeat the words, we forget what they mean. And I'm not against any of that at all, but salvation is not magic words, it's a change of allegiance in your heart. It is saying, I was going one way, now I'm gonna follow you all the rest of my life. And so during that time, in just a moment, if you will say those words and then believe them in your heart, God's word says, you will be saved. And today will be your birthday. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you, God, that you love us, that you see us and you know us. God, I'm so thankful that in this place, you are worthy of everything that we can give you. You are faithful above all. And Lord, for some of us in just a moment, we are gonna celebrate you as never before because we are so thankful for the blood that you shed on the cross. For others of us, God, I just believe and I pray right now for the bold prayer that God, if you're real, I wanna see you. I pray that you will honor those prayers and they will experience your goodness either today or in the days ahead. And Lord, I pray for those who say, today is my day. I've been hanging around the cross long enough. It's time to give my life to him. I pray, God, that as we run to you, we will find that we merely take a step. You take us the rest of the way. Oh, how good it is to serve so great a savior. And we celebrate you today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you stand with me all over the house this morning? If you'd like to receive one-on-one -on -one prayer, we have a prayer team standing at the back. But what decision do you need to make today as we worship the Lord together?
today.